Good morning. Hey, it's a good day. I love finish lines. The few races I've run in my life, I always like to see that. Oh, yes, the finish line. We're moving into the finish line for the series now, reclaiming our identity. We started a couple of months ago just looking at the scripture, saying, what's the church supposed to look like? What's the identity of the church supposed to be according to the Bible itself? And uh, we're just coming into the finish line. Coming into the finish line of a bunch of stuff that we've been doing around the church here, too. I like our new stage. I like our lights. Hey, uh, Roman Gaines is running sound back there as a volunteer this morning. I just want to give a shout out for the untold number of hours that he put in to all this stuff. Thank you so much. Next week, I'm going to start a series called Sequels. Sequels. You know how your life's going? We're just going to draw a line. We're going to start a sequel, okay? You into it? So be praying about that. Father, we ask your blessing as we come to this part of our service where we look into your word. Thank you for being here with us and drawing us into this place together this morning. We're bringing these musicians together, Lord, to bring us their hearts, their skill, their talent, their message. And for being a, a meeting place with you, Lord, thank you. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray now. And visit your word and as I bring it, and I'll do everything I can just to bring it as faithfully as I hear it from you, because I want you to be the one people talk about when we leave today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, today we're going to be in that final message, a series of the seven unmistakable quality of the true church. We've been looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and I'm going to read it for us, because it, you never go wrong in reading the Bible, right? The Bible, this is the description of the first century church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the church I want to be a part of right there. And I want us to give ourselves no rest until we can be accurately described by those terms right there. And we've talked so far about six unmistakable qualities of the church as written in the scripture, and today we're going to look at, at one more, and that's that the first century church was a community that served in Jerusalem as a platform to ministry to the world, as a platform to the ministry of the world. Now, it's not so much what's in that passage that will support that concept, but it's what happens after, it's what happens around this passage that causes you to come to the conclusion that one of the unmistakable qualities of the living church as God birthed it and put his thumbprint on it was that it was a, a platform to go into the whole world. I think the Lord could not have made this more clear to us himself when the Lord spoke a couple of things. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go! He says, go on, <laughs> right? Scatter, go and make disciples 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'll be with, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That the mandate of the Lord could not have been more clear. That the risen Lord said, all authority has been given to me. In other words, my position in the Godhead has been restored, something he laid down to come and be among us and die on the cross for us. It's been restored now by the resurrection power. And so he says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, now I confer authority to you. Now go in that resurrection authority and do what? What does it say? Make disciples. Of whom? All nations. There's a, uh, something to support the uniqueness and the exclusive nature of the gospel. We live in a pluralistic age, in a relativistic age, where we say, you know, if that's what you want to believe, fine. If you want to believe this religion, if you want to believe that religion, it's fine. But then why did Jesus say, go and make disciples of whom? Did he say anybody who doesn't currently have a religion? Yes or no? Did he say make disciples of people who aren't connected with another religious culture? He said make disciples of all, of all nations. But let's focus on the main part of that, that scripture, and that's to go. Jesus said something else. He said a number of things in his resurrected state. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said to his disciples, you'll receive power. You will, you will receive power when? You can talk. It's not really church. It's a vineyard. Go ahead, okay? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So, and then, once the Holy Spirit comes on you, then... He does that for the purpose of launching us into the world with the gospel of Jesus. Now in this verse, first pay attention to the geography. There are increasing spaces, almost concentric circles, if you will. So this was, this was said to the believers in Jerusalem. You'll receive the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, which was further, and to the very, very ends of the earth. So pay attention to the geography. It starts at home. That going into the world starts right here. <laughs> I've had, I, I wouldn't know the number of conversations I've had with people over the years of being a pastor where they said, I want to be a missionary. Oh, tell me about that. Well, I want to go take care of X, Y, Z, whatever in, in this faraway place. Oh, that's fantastic. Is the Lord calling you to do that? Yes. Are you doing it here? Well, no, I'll do it there. I'm called to do it there. I'm called to serve the poor there. I'm called to rescue street children there. Are you doing it here? No, I'm called to do it there. You're not called to do it there if you're not anointed to do it here. It starts right here. It starts right here. You're called to do it here. Sometimes when we talk about going into all the world, people object. I, I hear this objection every now and then. Why do we have to go to India when there's so much need right here? And I think Jesus would agree. But he would also say, you can do both. <laughs> you don't have to select. In fact, start here and then keep launching. Keep launching. 
they're not the least bit mutually exclusive. When I think about this, this coming Saturday, by the way, at 10 o'clock, if you just want to show up back in the kitchen, then you can help us pack some groceries and take them to the poor. Okay? You don't have to know a single Bible verse to do this. All right? Nobody's going to ask you about your theology. Nobody's going to ask you to pray. You're going to come, and they're going to say, could you stand there and put the beans in the bag? And then we'll load them up, and we'll take them to a trailer park south of the city where people are waiting for us to come, and God has blessed us with a relationship. That's, that's our Jerusalem. And sometimes we get to pray with some people, sometimes we don't, but everybody just functions at their own level. What are you doing next Saturday morning at 10 o'clock? <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do if 100 people come, but, you know, we'll figure it out. When I think about the free store, on the west side free store, and come on, raise your hand if you've been there with us at all, right? Oh, my gosh, right? Gosh. You teenagers remember when we went? Raul will never forget going. <laughs> You'll never forget that day, will you, talking to that homeless woman for so long? and Man, that just blessed you, didn't it? It broke you and blessed you all at the same hour, didn't it? We are doing it here. For years, every Tuesday night, we went to the homeless camps. Know why we stopped? Because so many other churches over time had come in and begun to get involved. And we said, okay, good. We'll go on to some other stuff because they're doing that now. God has called us to front lines. So many things. Tutors to Somalian refugees. <laughs> How many times did you have to leave our Iron Man meeting early because you had to go tutor some kid? Right. We're doing it. We're doing it here. Going to how many prisons? My wife Karen right now is organizing a, an effort to make 2,400 Christmas packs with socks and stuff for, for that many inmates. And in I'm pretty sure it's the Pickaway County or Pickaway. It's one of the prisons. <laughs> On December 16th, we need eight men to go. That's a Monday. We need eight of you to go. I'm going. We need men. Be cool if it were young men. Can you put in for a day off? Can you put in for a day off and just go to the prison with us and hand out 2,400 Christmas packages to inmates there in the name of Jesus? It starts here. I hope I got that date right. It absolutely starts here. Then you launch into the state and the nation and the world. But the mandate is clear, right? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, then go. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then go and bear witness. Well, as you look at this passage, you say, well, what happened next? Well, here's what happened next, basically. The, the apostles just spread out all over the world. Thomas went the furthest, and he went to India. I find a little irony in that, that my name's Thomas, and I love India, and... Thomas was martyred in India, as the Lord wills. What happened next? Clearly, the immediate practice of the apostles was to go. Some of the missionary travels and activities are recorded in the Bible. Others are extra-biblical sources. Mostly Paul's were recorded in the Bible. But all, all, all the apostles went somewhere. 
all of them except John, we have some reliable record of their, of their death. They were martyred for the king. And in some cases, they went and they stayed and they established churches there. And in some cases, they went and they just prayed and they moved on. But that's all right. That's normal. Even Jesus did that, right? He went. In some cases, he stayed and he did ministry. And in some cases, he, he just kept moving. Some ca- he would tell his disciples, if you're welcome there, if you meet a man of peace there, then stay. And if you don't, shake the dust off your sandals. Be gone. So it's normal to be somewhere for a while and move on. It's normal also to stay somewhere. Where are we and where have we been as a church? Well, this has been our mandate and our experience from day one. There's never been a day in the life of this fellowship that we haven't been involved in going into the world. It surely started right here in Columbus We started doing stuff as just a little itty-bitty living room church. We started from the living room, just going out and ministering to people on the streets. And then we were in the storefront. That was a cool time, ministering to people in the parking lot. And each step of the way. But we we were scarcely two years old when God called me to go to India. That was a first stretch. That was a ways. But God has always called us. Always been involved. And things we have done nationally and internationally uh, are, in, are in red up there. They're, these are things that we're doing, still doing now. In Nicaragua, we, partnered with, we partner with Arms of Love, where we take care of orphaned children. In Honduras, we partnered with Reach Out Ministries, where we take care of orphaned street children. In Wisconsin, we're partnered with Shepherds Ministries with disabled adults. In South Carolina, we're partnered with Samaritan's Purse. Was it South Carolina or North Carolina, Chris? I'm hearing both. Where's Chris? North Carolina. Note to self, second service. North Carolina. North Carolina, where Samaritan's Purse sending gospel message Christmas gifts to poor children around the world. In Israel, we're partnered preaching the gospel and caring for the needy with Alexandra and Svetlana with Jews for Jesus. In India, we're partnered with Cornerstone Ministries and also Dr. J. Rajan in Mysore with orphaned children, uh, well drilling uh, in remote impoverished villages, medical clinics, care for leprosy patients, gospel street preaching, and church plantings now with 370 churches. That's where we are now, and it's possible I neglected to mention something. Where else have we been? Well, that's, that's in, the, in the red. What did I say? The first one's in the blue, blue, red. Figured out. Where else have we been for shorter-term responses? And I probably missed a couple. We've had our feet on the ground for the gospel of Jesus in Turkey, Brazil, Haiti, Namibia in Africa, Iran, Mexico, Canada, Alaska, South Dakota, Louisiana, and Southern Ohio and West Virginia bringing ministry to the poor in Appalachia. Have I missed anything? That's a pretty good list. You know, there are so many obvious benefits, aren't there? Personal benefits in being a part of a church. We gain so much. I mean, I mean this passage alone in Acts chapter 2, there will be so many benefits from being a part of a fellowship that was accurately described by that stuff. But we have to realize that there's a healthy balance between what it is that we receive in the church and the truth that the church is not for us alone, as for a waiting world. 
God consistently gives every one of us opportunity to use this as a platform into his world. And I want you to think this morning about discovering, giving you some thought to your way. How has God made you to be uh, a vessel for his gospel in the world? Because each of you has a way. There's a way about your faith that you find most natural. I think sometimes people get all stalled in this sharing the gospel because they think they have to do it like somebody else or in a certain way. Not everybody's wired to like carry those tracks around, right? Not everybody's wired to say, if you died tonight, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Some of you are, praise God for you. But not everybody's wired that way, right? How are you wired to bear the gospel into the world? You know, the easiest thing for me to do and the most natural thing is to offer to pray for somebody. And it's because I love to pray. And so the most natural thing, rather than me to flip out a four spiritual laws tract, is to say, hey, I'm going to be praying later. Is there any way I could be praying for you? And I can, I can do, God has just graced me to do this with virtually anybody, whether I know them or whether I've just met them. And I'm serious about it. It's not a trick. It's like I'm going to be praying later. Is there some way that I can be praying for you? People are wildly open to that question with me. It's because it's my way. Some of you are, are wired in such a way that your acts of kindness, you do stuff for people, and it's your way. And it's your way of jumping off of the platform. And you make cookies, and you clean houses, and you watch dogs, and you, you, you just do stuff for people in your world because you're wired that way. That's a valid and legitimate way to jump off of the platform and into the world. Don't get stalled because you're afraid that they're going to ask you a question that you can't answer. I get asked questions I can't answer all the time. I have a standard answer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question, but here's what I do know. Jesus got a hold of my life, and I'm not the same. And you can say that from, from the place of the way that God has made you. So what you, what you do organically, naturally, as the Lord just blesses you and as he's wired you, just do to the world. Just launch. That's the call. I can pray for people. I love to pray for people. I love to pray with people. I love to pray alone. I love to pray in groups. I, so it's my natural way. Is there some way I can be, I can be praying for you? Let, let me show you how God honored that for me this week. On Thursday, Amanda, I guess it was at lunch or something, but uh, Amanda, who is our receptionist, et cetera, she said, uh, the McDonald's from Georgesville Road. Everybody know that? That's my McDonald's, by the way. You know, up there, Taco Bell, Red Lobster. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Give me a witness. Somebody know what I'm talking about McDonald's. Okay. You're not going to testify to the word. You know where McDonald's is. They said they called, and, and they, they remodeled it. They redid it. And I noticed that because when I was going up there, it's like, what do you mean just the drive throughs open? I need my elf food, right? Come on. And so I got in the drive through and I knew that. Well, they said they called, and they were, they're, 
cutting a ribbon on the whole, they have new owners now, and they're cutting a ribbon on Monday uh, to open the new McDonald's, it's the new improved McDonald's. And they were wondering if there's a pastor from the vineyard who would like to come and pray. <laughs> and I said, yeah! Right? And so I called the number back, and this was the new owner. Her name's Lisa, and they own restaurants and stuff. And she just seemed like the nicest person. And I, I said, now, is this something that McDonald's does, or is this something that you guys are doing? And I said, well, it's more us. So our LLC is called 4K4G. Four, they have four, four kids, four kids for God. And so everything they do, they do for the glory of the Lord. They sort of wondered if you would come and pray. I said, that's my McDonald's. I said, I'd like to be the chaplain of that McDonald's. I'm not looking for any perks. Maybe, maybe a parking spot, I don't know. Maybe a breakfast sandwich, but I, I'm just saying that I would love to be the guy that they know and they know they could come to. And I worked at McDonald's when I was short. I get it. So Monday, tomorrow at 5.30 p.m., I guess the Central Crossing band is coming. It's going to be a big deal. We're going to cut a ribbon. Would you come? Would you come to my McDonald's tomorrow at 5.30? Would you just be there and pray for me? Because I'm trying to figure out what to pray for in that moment. I mean, like, better service, um, lower cholesterol, that the guy who doesn't know how to do the double lane thing will get it right. There's a lot you could pray for in that moment, right? I want to seize this moment. It, it might sound so trivial. What are you praying at a McDonald's? Yeah, I'm praying in population. A whole mixture of people. And before they cut that ribbon, they're going to say, this pastor is going to pray. Whew. That's jumping into the world, right? And you can do that. And you just are obedient in the small things, and God gives you big things. Oswald Sanders said in My Utmost for His Highest this week on Thursday, even the smallest bit of obedience opens heaven. Yet God will never reveal more truth about himself to you until you have obeyed what you know already. What's God saying? You know, what has God said? It might seem so small to make those cookies. It might seem so small to knock on your neighbor's door and say, you guys doing okay? Just checking in. What's God saying to you to get out of the church and into the world? Going into the world is an essential part of the identity of the church. Where would you like to go? Where are you now? As we come to the conclusion of this series, let's, let's fill out our report card. Let's, I, want, I want you to evaluate the church from your perspective. 
I want you to give a grade from where you sit to the church for these seven unmistakable qualities they, they worshipped. I want you to think about Vineyard here and from where you sit, give a grade. Go ahead. Uh, that they prayed. Is this a praying church from what you understand? They, peop- they were a place where people consistently found their way to faith in Christ. Is it your opinion that here at this vineyard people consistently find their way to faith in Christ? They were devoted to the word of God as their absolute standard for living. Would you say that's true? That was true of that church as we've seen in the series. They were frequently visited by the Holy Spirit in amazing demonstrations of his present power. Go ahead. Evaluate this place. They freely loved one another. Go ahead. Make a grade. And they went into the world. They used Jerusalem, their launch pad, Grove City in our case, as a launch pad into the world. I don't know what kind of grades you've given to your church, but now I'd like for you to put yourself through the same evaluation and just go one at a time. And what grade would you give to yourself? Are you a worshiper? You come and release yourself into worship? Go ahead. Give yourself a grade. How about praying? Are you a person who consistently prays alone and with others? Are you part of the prayer move here at the vineyard? How about people finding their way to faith in Christ? Are you bringing your lost friends? Are you sharing the gospel in the ways that God has equipped you to share the gospel? Go ahead, give yourself a grade. Devoted to the word of God as the absolute standard for living. Would you say that's true of you or are you fudging around the edges somewhere? Frequently visited by the Holy Spirit. Would you say that's true of you? They freely loved one another. Are you sharing your love with others? And they went into the world. Are you taking it out of this place? Give some thought to the comparison of those two sets of grades, if you will. You can see where you have opportunity there to improve and not only make yourself a better believer, but make this place a better place, right? It's right there in front of you. But collectively, we're only ever going to be as strong as we are individually, right? We all have, I expect, we would each have areas of good grades and 
room for improvement in that list, but I'd like you to take it seriously. We didn't just go through these last couple of months just to learn more Bible. But as we get ready to just respond to the Lord this morning, may I remind you that the whole description of the first church was predicated on one unmistakable reality, and that was the present move of God's Holy Spirit. That's it. That church didn't happen because people said, well, this is how church should be. Bob, you do this. Jane, you do that. And we'll be. This church was an organic expression of what people filled with the Holy Spirit become and how they live and how they love. What happens when people allow themselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. The single most important personal assessment that you can make doesn't have to do with that list. Because you can't improve yourself apart from being filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, first it means to come into saving relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. When you come to Christ, when you ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, that his work on the cross would cover you of your sin, would write your name in the Lamb's book of life, then you're born again. Now, only you know if that's an authentic expression. But if that's an authentic expression from your heart, then you're born again. And the Bible says then that you have certain rights that he gave you the right to become a child of God. You're not getting filled with the Holy Spirit before you move into that legal status of being a son or daughter of the living God. You're not getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work backwards. You come to the Lord today. I would sense that most of you already know the Lord. You say, I'm good. But there may be some here today who said, I, I've never, re- I've thought about it. I've ta- it makes sense now. Today you need to come to the Lord. And that's the first step. And the the second step in being filled with the Holy Spirit is to come into a solid relationship with God as a dedicated follower of Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, none of us are walking this out perfectly, not a single one of us, least of all me. But obedience is meant to be part of our walk with God. Obedience. And they can be the big things, they can be the small things, the tiny things. When God just prompts you to make a call or send a text or knock on a door or read a book or, and you just sense that in that place. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll obey that. Because God fills his obedient followers. You don't earn it, but you put yourself in a position of being useful. Who would pour their their energy into someone who was going to do something else with it other than what they want? God has plans. The Bible says that you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. The Bible says that God has a plan for your life. You need His Holy Spirit every day living inside of you to walk that out. 
You come into a relationship of obedience. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, beloved, you have to believe that God still desires to move in power among his people today. This is not a religion. It's a relationship with the living God. And if you settle into showing up here on Sunday morning, listen to the band, listen to me, and going on home, you're missing it. You gotta believe that God still wants to move in power. Jesus said, if you have faith small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here to there, nothing will be impossible for you. We need people in this house who will believe with us again. Just believe that God is gonna move in power. You gotta put yourself, and that's really up to you. You can release that faith. You released your faith in your car on the way over here. You released your faith in the laws of traffic on the way over here this morning. You flew through a light that was green because you released your faith in the assumption that the other lights were red and that those people would stop. That was a decision to release your faith. You didn't think about it, but you did. You decide, I'm gonna release my faith. I'm gonna believe the Bible's true. I'm gonna believe that God still wants to move in power among us right here this morning. And then you ask him. Ask him to fill you with his spirit and release you into this encounter. You just release yourself into this encounter. I'm yours, Lord. I'm your son, I'm your daughter. I'm your disciple. I believe, God, that you are the same God today that you were in the Bible and you wanna move. And now I come, Lord. And I say, would you fill me? Jesus said, if you, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. Ask him. I just want to spend some time this morning as we conclude this series making it absolutely clear that there's no way we can produce this church. Only the Holy Spirit does. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is repetitive. You were filled with the Holy Spirit when you said yes to Jesus, when you came into life. Only the Holy Spirit, he's the one who persuaded you to say, yes, I want Christ as my Savior. You are filled. But if you look at the record of the book of Acts, the same people who were filled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 were filled again in Acts chapter 4. And so the reality of it is, yes, of course, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we should come to God and be filled and refreshed and refilled. Some people said, I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1973. <laughs> Praise God for that. How many hundreds of times have you been back <laughs> to the well for a refreshing? I hope many. I just want us to spend time and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. I'd like to ask all the leaders, if you're a leader of a group, a ministry, if you're a leader, I'd like for you to lead the way and come on up here right now. Sorry, I said I'd like to ask. I didn't mean ask. Like all the leaders, if you're a leader of a group, of a ministry, just come and come together, please. Would you lead the church to the Lord in asking for a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit? Come on up. You've been through the questions. I hope you're following. I know you're following. 
I know you believers. I know you follow the Lord or you wouldn't be leaders. Can you believe with me? Sometimes you have to start that back up again. You just have to put yourself in that frame of mind and heart. I believe that God still wants to move. And the people who follow us will never do it if we don't. Can you just put yourself back there with me? And then can you just surrender yourself into the experience of asking God to fill you with his Holy Spirit fresh? That's between you and him. Invite him to come. Invite him to come. We don't hype it up here. Sometimes unexplainable things happen. Sometimes they don't. But I know this. The Bible's true. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You just invite him. And then just cooperate. Just surrender to the experience of being refilled. Who else would like to come and stand behind your leaders and just also ask to be refilled with the Holy Spirit? Who else would like to come? Holy Spirit, come. Who else would like to come and just say, uh, I want to believe. I want to ask. Just come on. Who else would like to come? I can't tell you exactly what to expect. Some of us are kind of wired more emotionally than others. It's, it's fine either way. Because it's not about emotion. It's about the Word of God. When Jesus said, God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Just ask him. There you go. Church, shall we stand together, please, church, and just worship the Lord and just ask the Lord's blessing on these who are earnestly seeking a refreshing. Spirit come, your church, Lord, your people.